you are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of Knives and Night Blooms. Chapter 17, Part 1. Past Parliament in Ruins. The bow's ship was a black feather floating. The sail, catching impossible winds, was a shadow against the night sky. This was magic, Calix knew, but not a magic that felt at all familiar. She leaned against the mast and shivered, watching the shapes of the banks and trees and docks shift past them, impossibly fast, illuminated by the moon and the purple glow of night blooms in the water. The bow did not speak. He had raised no hand against her. He had not killed her, though she was certain he must be the fourth priest who'd been hired to take her life. Above them, the black sail fluttered, and the ship darted forward through the water, light as a feather. Icaros carried Valeria back to the barge, bound in ropes provided by the landlord of the frisky foxglove and dosed up to the eyeballs on his last supplies of shade root and honey. It was enough to knock a regular human, unconscious for a day, but Valeria's eyelids still fluttered, fighting it. Her heartbeat was too fast, a thready and erratic pulse. Whatever thrice-damned alchemist had come up with the monster formula hadn't cared much if their wild fury fighters were still breathing after the battle was over as long as their job was done. Something was wrong with Calix, he knew, even if it was just that Icarus and Valeria had been gone from her side too long, dealing with their own shit. Icarus had a dandelion stem caught in his teeth when he returned to the silken hair. We need the knights of the bright owl, he barked as he leapt back onto the barge, Valeria limp against his shoulders. Where's the nearest temple? Everyone looked at him. The crew were clustered around their captain, all looking in the direction of Calix's cabin. A shaky Nimue stepped aside, so Icarus could see that Mardi was lying still on the deck, Dio leaning over her body. Bors is dead, she screamed at him, the forbidden word like poison on her tongue. Why won't you let me die too? An old memory. More recent than he'd like. No, said Icarus. Just that. A rejection of the whole idea that Mardi, of all of them, could be dead. Mardi was getting out. Dio looked desperate. There's a lot of blood, he said, packing linen tightly around the arrow, careful not to disturb the shaft. But if there's a temple we can get to in time? Not dead, then. Not yet. Icarus looked to the captain, who cleared his throat. South of here, he informed them gruffly. Past Parliament in ruins, six or seven hours at legal night speed. And if we break some laws, Icarus suggested. The captain nodded. I'll see what I can do. He spoke quickly to a couple of his men, 
and the crew moved around them, getting ready to undock the barge. It shouldn't be Icaros making these negotiations. He looked around. Where is Calix? Calix was not a damsel waiting to be rescued. She was not a pawn. The last time three assassins tried to take her down, she took them off the board. She could feel them out there somewhere. Icaros, Valeria, Marty, Dio. The bond still held. They were hers. But she didn't need them to ride to the rescue. She had her own power. Calix reached out with her magic, feeling the extra flush of bright clarity. She'd been feeding energy from the River Divine for days. She was mightier than she had ever been. She summoned her strength to throw it all at this man, this priest, who thought he could kidnap her of all the indignities. She was a petal of the Imperium. No man could resist her. The bow turned, his face shadowed by moonlight. Try it, he invited. Calix threw it at him. Every petal, every mote of magic, she blasted him with it all, with stems and leaves and flowers, flowers, flowers. Colours streamed out of her, pink and yellow, blue and scarlet, green, green, green. By the time they reached him, they were nothing but black feathers, dancing on the wind, then dust. Then the breeze itself. What are you? she asked. The bow smiled a white-toothed smile. A dark shadow darted around him, resting on his shoulder. A large raven with unblinking yellow eyes. The air shivered and there were more ravens, crows, black birds of all sizes and shapes, clustered around the ship, perching on every surface, all the way up the mast on every railing and edge all staring at Calix. I'm the chosen one, said the bow, stroking the wing of the bird on his shoulder, last priest standing. Save your flowers, Petal. You can't touch me. Icaros did not dare remove the arrow from Muddy's body. It hadn't killed her yet. And as far as he knew, it was all that was stopping the rest of her blood from pouring out of her. The linens were wet with her blood, but they'd slowed the flow of it at least. She breathed still, not quite conscious, shaking with something that might have been pain or shock. Nimue brought blankets to tuck around her, but the shivering had nothing to do with cold, not on a summer night like this. It was enough to make Icaros wish... He hadn't used the last of his shade root and honey on Valeria, though that had been the right call at the time. Valeria was through the fighting fury of the monster she had consumed, but her body was not reacting well in the wake of it. Her skin was too hot, and she'd fallen into a shallow sleep, disturbed by quick, erratic breaths. Nimue brought blankets for her, too, creating a makeshift bed on the other side of Icarus, who would not leave either of them. Occasionally, he choked on a blade of grass or chewed leaf 
as it rose up in his mouth to remind him of his own failure. As long as that kept happening, Calix and her bond were still alive. He hadn't failed them yet. Icarus sat on the deck, a woman he loved on either side of him, willing the barge to go faster. The captain was a good man, committed to the rescue, despite the fact that the crew, apparently, had been released from Calix's service during the fight to save her. Icarus had no doubt that a bill would be presented, all in good time. For now, they sailed south. Faster than they should in the darkness of night. Feathers, you say, Icarus said, when he could trust himself to speak. Dio, pacing the deck, stopped to nod sharply. I haven't seen magic like that before, at least... He stopped. It reminded me of what you did to the Shrine of the Black Raven at the Hanging Market. That wasn't me, Icarus muttered. It's not people magic. He could use it a little, such as the feather spell he'd sent ahead to the nearest temple of the Bright Owl, in the hope they could send a knight to meet the barge. Small things, flutters of dark shadow and feathers, brief glancing touches of the Black Raven and his grace. Sometimes a small prayer really could make all the difference. Icarus had seen the more dramatic miracles, performed in temples and shrines, created by some of the older, more long-serving priests, so in touch with their God's love that they could reach out and use his feathers for their own worship. Valeria had been a master of it back in the day, though she rarely bothered now. Sometimes it was a performance. Sometimes, as with the shrine at the Hanging Market, it was a built-in form of self-defence. Icarus himself had never been blessed by a miracle as powerful as the one described, the miracle that the bow used to take Calix. The raven? Dio asked quietly. Icarus nodded. Our god has picked a champion. He had known the bond Calix threw at him compromised his service to the black raven. It was impossible to think otherwise, but it was a deep humiliation to have your god working against you. Then, said Dio, why, why didn't he just kill her? That's the job, isn't it? You and Marty and Valeria were all supposed to... Why did he take her alive? I don't know, Icarus said. He didn't want to discuss it with Dio. The boy wouldn't understand. Icarus needed Valeria and Marty alert and alive so they could be properly angry about this together so they could save Calix and, and finish things with the bow, one way or another. Let them both survive this night. A few more hours, and he'd have them in the hands of the owls. Parliament in ruins, said the bow. It was the first thing he'd said in hours. Calix, half asleep against the feathered mast of the swift black ship, jolted awake and glared at him then at all the ravens and crows that were glaring at her. What? He nodded to the port side of the black feather ship. Wouldn't want you to miss the view. Grey silhouettes rose up, bone pale against the dark trees behind. 
the ghosts of domed buildings and spires. It looked like a city that had been asleep for centuries, rotting away. What happened here? Calix asked. But the black feather ship was pulling ahead, away, around the curve of the river which looped back sharply, so they could see the Parliament in ruins again from the other side. They say the Black Raven sucked the souls out of a hundred members of Parliament, said the Bow. Centuries ago, they were voting for war, and the Black Raven put an end to it by stopping a hundred hearts in a single breath. The Hawk of War rose up against him in protest, and River Divine ran red with blood. Calix shivered. Not much of a bedtime story. Then the Divine King came along to save the kingdom from our warring gods. Huzzah, added the bow. He was staring back behind the speeding yacht, as if his thoughts were still tangled in the past, in those strange lost buildings. You said centuries ago, Calix said, frowning. That couldn't be right. He's not a young king. But I've read... They sent genealogical charts with the betrothal contract. There have been ten divine kings in the last three hundred years. What had she got into with this royal family? Or had this priest of death merely chosen to torment her instead of murder her? The bow gave a biting grin. All had the same name, though, didn't they? Check out the portrait gallery when you reach Phoenix Burning. It's a sight and a half. You're marrying into a family that doesn't like to let go of things. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. Uh, this month, uh, being, or oh, I had to just pause and think about it, August 2023, uh, you can get a download of the new and final Belladonna U collection, Practical Witching, for as little as a $1 pledge to my Patreon. Uh, So come along and join us. If you want to pledge at $15, you get like the whole book in paperback. But, you know, I recognize that's not a gateway price. So so come on in for a dollar and and see if you like my Patreon. Uh, I will see you next week for more of Knives and Nightblooms, the second half of this chapter, Past Parliament in Ruins. (laughs) 